So this morning, I'm a little bit more nervous than usual. Um, part of the reason being Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, I stayed at home and finished up uh, my sermon and had everything ready to go. Was uh, had a lot of things wrote down. Had my thoughts in one area of where I was going to go. And 12:30 last night, I got woke up. I got woke up with an extreme burden on my heart talking about resolved faith. And it's not that I'm throwing away everything that I did, but at the same time, the whole point of this message has changed. But the more I look at it throughout the week, God was actually building this message starting Monday morning. Seeing God do a lot of amazing things this week. I've seen God um, provide a need for our associate pastor that was insurmountable. Jerry, most of y'all know, he was supposed to go on a new antibiotic. And when it come down to it, insurance said that they weren't going to pay for it. The total of that antibiotic was $40,800 for one year. That morning, me and the staff met and we prayed. We asked for God to make a way. The next morning, Jerry comes and tells us some amazing news. There was a grant that filled all $40,000, $40,800 of his medication for a whole year. A lot of people will say, well, that was just that grant. No, that wasn't that grant. That was God. Wednesday, I had a huge burden on my heart. And I'm just going to be blunt with y'all. I had a huge burden on my heart for the gentleman who wrecked in our cemetery. I had tried to call him multiple times. One, because I was just genuinely concerned about him. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've fought a lot of anger on this. But I was extremely concerned Wednesday morning when I woke up. Coming with staff, I asked God to do something that only he could do in this gentleman's life. I went home to let out my dog because I always do that on Wednesdays. And I get a text message from Kari telling me the gentleman had just called the church. Come to find out I wrote his number down wrong and wasn't able to get in touch with him. Immediately called him. And I'm going to tell you something, I really do. I believe he is genuinely repentant. I don't know where his relationship with God stands yet. But brothers and sisters, there's a conversation going on with that man right now that could lead to an eternal change. I had just asked God that morning to make a way for him to know him. And boom, within two hours, he calls me. Sometimes I think we have grown so accustomed to the life that we live that we put God in a box. Colton, will you bring me that box, please? This 
Thank you, baby. It's going to be called Our Faith Box. You like it? My faith is cool. My faith is cool. My faith is cool because my faith is calm. My faith is calm, and a lot of times when my faith is calm, my faith is controlled. We love control. We love boxes. We get to put things in boxes. We get to put them where they belong. In premarital class, a lot of times I talk about the difference in a woman's brain and a man's brain, okay? Yeah, there's a lot of difference here. A woman's brain is like a bowl of spaghetti. You know what happens if you pull one noodle out of that bowl of spaghetti? It touches every noodle. So it affects everything. Men, our brain is like waffles, boxes. We separate things and everything has its place where it goes. Men even have a beautiful thing, and I've told y'all this before, but men even have a beautiful thing called a nothing box. If women, if you ever look at your wife, husband and say, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing, believe him. He is in his nothing box. He is not thinking about anything. He's tired of thinking. He's shut down. He's in reboot mood. Give him his space. But a lot of times as men, and I'm not just speaking to men, I'm also speaking to women today. A lot of times we put our faith in a box as well. Our faith belongs here. It doesn't go here. It doesn't go here. It belongs right here. It's cool. It's calm. It's where it needs to be. It's controlled. The thing that gets me the most is as we've been reading through Hebrews, we find out that faith isn't something that can be controlled. The children of Israel cross a parted Red Sea with the Egyptian army right on their heels. Those same children of Israel, after making seven laps around a city, watch the walls of Jericho fall. At the same time that that's happening, a woman, a prostitute, who showed kindness to the Israelites was spared from destruction and allowed to become part of the lineage of Christ. Gideon led 300 men, 300 men against the Midianites in the thousands. And with those 300 men, completely devastated the army. Barak did the same thing when he led the children of Israel against the Canaanites and their 900 iron chariots, something that seemed like it could not be done, but yet they overwhelmed the army in victory. Samson, a womanizer, who destroyed many Philistines, not once, but twice, in his last act of his life, asked God for the strength to do it one more time. And God did it. Jephthah, and I've worked on this name all day and I got it right, thank you. The son of a prostitute, sought out by men, <clears throat> sought out by men and rejected, led a battle that nobody thought could be won. 
David faced Goliath, the Philistines, Saul. Even at the point when he come to the lowest point of his life where he murdered a man and took his wife, he's still considered a man after God's own heart. Samuel, the son of a barren woman, becomes the prophet of God. And there's many other prophets. Daniel. Daniel is spared from the mouth of lions. Isaiah gives an accurate account of Christ seven years, 700 years before he even comes. And not only that, Isaiah got to see 130 or 85 Assyrians wiped out in one night by the hand of God. We look at things today and we use words like doubtful. Probably not. And impossible. And when we do things like that, what we are doing is we're putting our faith in a box. And I know all of us have had our share of victories and all of us have had our share of uh, defeats. But for some reason, we have allowed all of our defeats to overshadow our victories. And I got a question for all of you this morning. Why is that? Why is it that we allow the victories, especially the ones that we have seen God do himself, be overshadowed by all the defeats that we face? Let's be real. Every single one of us is going to face some defeat in some way, shape, or form this week. But at the same time, we also experience a victory every day of our life. Some will say, well, Scotty, the reason we do this is because we're realist. To the realist, I would say that Luke 1.37 says nothing will be impossible with God. Some will say we've learned to expect the worst. But in 1 Thessalonians, when Paul is talking to the people of Thessalonica about the coming of the end of time, He reminds them to hold to the work of their faith, the labor of love, the steadfastness and hope that they have in their Lord Jesus Christ. The biggest battle that we face every day is impossible. Impossible. Every day we face impossible tasks, impossible situations. And in all those times of facing these impossible situations and tasks, our hearts start to grow complacent. And before long, that complacency becomes apathy. And before long, our faith becomes nothing more than just something we do. Our faith is not what we do. Our faith is what God does. Our limitations are great. Our limitations are numerous. But God's limitations, God has no limitations. They don't exist. God is the God of the impossible. He is the one who created us. 
He's the one who engineered this whole universe that we live in and this planet that we live in that is so perfectly situated between the moon, between the sun and where it is that it's engineered to inhabit life. That's not something that man could have done. And don't get me wrong, I love space. I love SpaceX. I love NASA. I love it all. We spent a whole week at NASA and I was just like a kid in a candy store down there. But at the same time, there is no way that we can create another earth. We can't do it. That can only be done by the hands of God. Not only that, he's the one who, de- who designed the system. I hate this word. Sophisticatedness of our body. These things are amazing. These things are absolutely amazing. The way our joints are joined together, the way 188 bones make up our whole skeletal system, the way these muscles attach to these bones and give us movement, the reason that we have thumbs, mine are shorter than yours, but the reason we have thumbs so we can grab things, so we can work on things, it's just amazing. But yet many want to say that we're nothing more than an evolutionary mistake. Boy, that's encouraging. And what it all boils down to is there's many things in life that we can't explain. I can't explain why the universe is the way it is other than God said. I can't explain the way my body works other than God said. I can't explain the situations that I go through in my life other than God said. And in the book of Hebrews, we've seen lots of amazing stories of faith. But towards the end of chapter 11, while it starts off good, it ends pretty deep. Follow along with me as I read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through the end of the chapter. It says, women received back their dead by resurrection. That's amazing. God did that. God restored life to dead bodies. But look what else happens. And others were tortured. Not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourging Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were tempted and they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and in goatskin, being destituted, affected, and ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy. That's a key point right there. Wandering in deserts and mountains and caves, and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Pray with me. Father, I just want to thank you. 
First, I want to thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for your direction in it. But Father, secondly, I want to thank you for how that word has spoken to me, not only through this book of Hebrews, but also throughout a majority of my life. And Father, while there are many situations in our life that does not make sense, the Bible does give us some light to understanding why we go through the things that we do. And Father, today I just pray that you would help us to use this scripture. Father, help us to use it in our everyday life when it comes to our faith. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. And give us a heart to understand what it is that your word has specifically for us this morning. Because Lord, I do believe that we are moving into a time when our faith really will be tested. And Father, I pray that this morning that you would help us to unbox, unhinge, completely release the faith that you have given us of how possible the impossible is with you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we went through all the stories, great stories of faith about all these people who built boats, these people who continued to worship God and these people who did some amazing things even by drawing the children of Israel out. But at the last part, we come to a very hard reality of what is going on even in today's times. How early believers endured what they did and still continued in their faith is something that absolutely baffles me. It absolutely baffles me to think of how all of the disciples were martyred except for one. It baffles me to think about how people were literally being drawn and quartered. Do you know what that is? That is where you have chains tied to each leg and each arm and donkeys or horses or mules are put on each end and you're literally ripped apart. That is something that our early brothers and sisters went through. But sometimes I think we forget that some of this stuff is still going on today. People are still being persecuted for their faith. And you know what hit me more than anything? Is that if their faith was confined to this, they probably wouldn't have been written in this story. If their faith would have been right here, cool, calm, controlled, there's a good chance that their stories would not have even been mentioned. And sometimes it makes me wonder, Is this the reason that the church of America is not persecuted like the church of the rest of the world? And sure, we're seeing some signs of it. But it's just hard for me to understand. But again, when we can't understand something or can't explain something, I don't know about with you, I start to get really uncomfortable. This is what started taking place last week in my life with situations that I was seeing. When Jerry come to us and told us that his medicine had been 
rejected. I become very uncomfortable. When my heart started stirring towards the young man who wrecked in our cemetery, my heart became very uncomfortable. But even Friday, my heart became very uncomfortable because I asked a man for some advice and he said, yes, that would be smart. Me and Daryl decided that Friday, well, me and some of the trustees, and thank you trustees for what you did, decided that we were going to tackle the task of putting a water filtration system on the fellowship hall. I don't know if you've ever drank our water that comes out of the tap here, but it's something comparable to drinking out of a swimming pool. It's not something that you really want in your body. You can taste the chlorine. You can smell the chlorine. Every once in a while, you get little black things because we're at the end of the pipe. But I asked Daryl about it, and Daryl's response to me was, that'd be smart. You know what I heard him say when he said that would be smart? I heard him say, that'd be easy. That's not what happened. That ain't what happened at all. The more we started tearing into this, the more that we realized we had to move things around. We had to make four. Did you make another trip? You never told me. Okay, we had to make five trips to Home Depot to get this done. And you know, Home Depot's the do-it-yourself place because if you're trying to find something there, you're going to do it yourself. <laughs> and this was aggravating. This was extremely aggravating. And I looked at Daryl. And I looked at Daryl and I said, I thought you said this would be a smart thing. Daryl, just as calm, cool, and collective as can be, I didn't say it's going to be the easiest thing. And he is right. But I got extremely uncomfortable in that moment because every time I got back, I knew that there was something else that I needed. But that's the way our faith is. Every time we get to one step in our faith journey with God, we realize that we need more faith. We realize that we need more courage. We realize that we need more endurance. And this isn't always easy for us to understand. But with that being said, there's some things that we have to understand and be resolved on about our faith. First thing, faith is in God. Let me repeat that. Faith is in God. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about saving faith, legacy faith, endearing faith, courageous faith, even obedient faith. But the one thing that needs to be brought to the center of all these things is God. He is the center of all of our faith. Matter of fact, if you were to take your Bible and turn to the very center of the Bible, very center of the Bible, Psalms 18, you're going to find this scripture. It is better to trust in God than to trust in man. Why do you think he put that right in the center of the Bible? Dead center, dead center of verses, dead center of chapters, right there in the middle. I think because he knew some of us late at night when we realized we hadn't read our Bible, just get it up and open it somewhere in the center and there it is. But honestly, our faith is centered in God. Hebrews 11 at the beginning told us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So where is our faith centered? One more time. 
Where is our faith centered? Is it centered in this building? No. Is it centered in NFL? No. Is it centered in our 401k? No. Is it centered in our education? No. Is it centered in our bodies? No. It is centered in who? God. Good job. Good job. You may be a preacher one day. Watch out. So our faith has to be centered in God. And our faith in God will never go against God or what he's already said. And see, this is where we've got to be careful on both sides. One of the reasons we like for our faith to be cool, calm, collected, and controlled is because all of us at some point in time of our lives have seen faith or what was said to be faith get out of control. Over the last 200 years, we have seen more movements that claim to be of God. But when you look into those movements, they go so against his word that they can't be called faith. They can't be called faith at all. And I know some of you are sitting here probably wondering, even my wife asked me last night, are you talking about what's going on in Ashbury? No, I'm not. I'm not talking about what's going on in Ashbury. I'm praying that that truly is a revival in that college campus. I'm praying that is a revival that takes place in the heart of every man, woman, and child in that area. And I'm praying that is a revival that will flood out through our nation because we need revival. We need to be awakened to who God is. Our faith is centered in him. We need to be awakened to what his word says because that is our God for life. But we also need to realize that God will never go against himself. So I'm not saying that what's taking place is not real. I'm not saying it is real. I'm sitting back, I'm praying, and I'm hoping that God does something that only he can do. But some of these movements, guys, I'm not even going to call them denominations. I'm not even going to call them churches because some of them have churches in there. But some of these groups, they have rejected Jesus as God. That's not faith. That's heresy. They have rejected that salvation is by grace alone. Well, yes, Jesus died for you, but you've got to do this, 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 and this. Brothers and sisters, we are saved by grace through faith, not of our own works, least anybody can boast. It's not about Jesus plus. Jesus plus anything is heresy. It's about Jesus alone. Not only that, they reject his commands. And this is one that's given me more than anything. Well, I know what the Bible says, but Jesus would do this. Do you know that Jesus never contradicted anything that is wrote in the Bible? Nothing. Well, pastor, what about when he was picking grain on, on Saturday? Because it says on the Sabbath, but that was Saturday, just so y'all know. What about when he was picking grain on Saturday? What were they doing with the grain? What were they doing with it? 
Y'all remember? Eating it. They were picking and eating. It never says anything about the Sabbath that you shall not eat. If so, Baptists would be a lot thinner. A lot thinner. But Jesus never contradicted his word. And all of these movements that say they are of faith but are not are heresy. And that's why John told us in 1 John chapter 4 that we must test the spirits to see if it is true or if it is not. Every once in a while, God's going to stir you to do something. God's going to stir it in your heart for you to do something that's not going to make sense. Something that may not even seem reasonable. And you're going to come to a time of, was that real? And I want to share something with you. That's okay. Do you think Noah started building the boat right away? Do you think Noah questioned, do I need to build a boat? Do you think Moses questioned God? <laughs> We've got a record that he did. God, I can't do this. I can't go free your children because I murdered a guy back there. Go, I'll go with you. Okay, God, I'll go, but I can't speak. I can't speak. All right, go and take Aaron. But God, if I go back there, they'll kill me. Go! God doesn't talk like that. But it is okay to try to test the spirit to see what is real and what is not. But when you test the spirit and you find out that it is truly God calling you to do something, the last thing you need to do is put it in a box. So faith is in God. Faith will never go against God. But the main thing we need to understand out of what's being talked about is impossible is the direct enemy of faith. How many of you have been told that's impossible? That can't be done. There was a man back in the early 1900s, Charles uh, Kittery. I've read about his story many times, but Charles Kittery is a man that every single one of you should be thankful of. How many of you got in your car this morning and pressed a button or turned a key and your car automatically started? Charles Kittery is the one who invented the automatic starting engine. Charles Kittery is also one who helped make us comfortable in our cars because Charles Kittery was responsible for putting AC in the first Cadillac. I love this man. I'm not sure who turned the AC on, but thank you. But I love this man. But Charles Kittery was responsible for over 146 patents that are still used in the cars that we use today. And when Charles Kittery was asked about all of his amazing things that he had take place in his life, they asked him, what was your biggest obstacle? He said, easy, impossible. What do you mean impossible was your biggest task or your biggest hindrance? 
He said, I hated when people told me that's impossible. He said, there became an unwritten rule in all meetings at General Motors for engineers and designers that they were to leave their ichabus or their slide rules outside the door when they come into a meeting. Because all they would do is when I would say, we want to do this, we want to put comfort control in a car, that's impossible. These measurements say that we can't do that. Well, we want to make a car start without having to get out and do this big old crank over and over again. That's impossible. Our measurements say that won't work. And a lot of times we get in this same rut. That's impossible. That'll never work. The biggest challenge he faced was in Dayton, Ohio, where he grew up. He wanted to place a cancer center. And this was in the early 1940s. There weren't any cancer centers. But he wanted to place a cancer center there. And he started asking around, who could he get to help with this? And a gentleman came to him and said, I think you need to be looking in the area of people with Judeo-Christian beliefs. Charles Kittery wasn't a Christian. So he asked, why do I need to search them out? And the reply was, because they and only they have the faith to make this happen. Sometimes I wonder if we have the faith to make things happen. I think about accounts like in chapter nine of Mark about a young man who goes to Jesus because his boy is possessed with a demon. And all this takes place right after, right after the transfiguration. But starting in verse 14, in chapter nine of Mark, it reads like this. And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with him probably saying it's impossible. But immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And they answered them, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and when he, when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him to, into convulsions and falling to the ground. And he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. 
And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father replied, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water, trying to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I get it. We've seen some gross perversions of casting out demons, of faith healings, perversions of God's word that says, if you'll pray this prayer, you'll be rich. I get how we are guarded because we don't want to allow anything to come in that may bring question, that may bring speculation. But at the same time, I've got to ask. Have we boxed our faith? Two times this week, I saw God do something that only he could do. And the only thing I did was ask. I had nothing to do with Jerry's medicine. I had nothing to do with that boy calling me. All I did was ask. And I can't help but wonder, do we need to be just like this father? And this morning, do we need to ask, Father, help my unbelief. Men, we like boxes. We like boxes because, again, it controls things. It keeps things where they need to be. Keeps them organized. Keeps them controlled. But there is one thing that I have learned this week, and it come when I open this box. God don't fit in here. God can't fit in here. And if the God you worship this morning can fit in this box, then you do not worship the God of this universe. If the God you worship can fit in this box, then you do not worship the God who sent his only begotten son to die for our sins. If you can fit your God in this box and close it, you can control your God. Brothers, 
That's not God. You can't control him. You can't hinder him. But with faith and opening that box just like that boy's father did. With opening that box just like those modern Christians did. Because one thing that amazes me when you read the story of those modern Christians, the ones that we can even read about in the Bible, Stephen, when he's being stoned, who does he cry out to? cries out to God. This morning, will you unbox your faith? Or will you control it? Tommy? Father, I know over many years, we've been scared. I get it. There are certain times in my life, Lord, I've tried to control you. There's certain times in my pastorate, Lord, I've even tried to control you. And my Father, I know that my faith is centered in you. And I know, Lord, that you would never do anything that contradicts your word. There are times in my life, Lord, where I've said, That's impossible. Father, help my unbelief. As our praise team comes up, Lord, as we sing, help us all, Lord, to cry out to you to help us with our unbelief. Because Lord, we've got a lot of intellect. We've got a lot of experience. We've got a lot of situations in our life that make things seem impossible. But your son reminded us that with you, nothing's impossible. And Father, we know that not everybody will be healed. We know, Lord, that not everybody will come to know you as Lord and Savior. We know, God, that there's still gonna be horrible things that could happen to us. Don't let that stifle us, Lord. Don't let that stop us from believing in the true God of this universe who makes the impossible possible every day. Help our faith, Lord. Help our faith. We need you. We need you to do in our lives what only you can do because we've made a horrible wreck of them, Lord. We need you to do in this church what only you can do because we will overthink it and overprogram it. We need you to do, Lord, in the lives of our loved ones who do not know you what only you can do because all we do is ridicule. We need you, Lord, to stir us to a faith that reminds us that nothing's impossible. Help our unbelief. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.